Hey podcasters, on today's episode, I have a special guest. He plays professional soccer for Richmond Kickers. He's also a co-founder of The Rising Point. My brother, Mumbi Kosele, welcome, man. Thank you for having me, Abby. I really appreciate you, my brother. Thank you. Thank you for coming, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, man, just, you know, holding it down with this uh, coronavirus and we're just trying to stay as safe as possible. Same over here, man. I mean, we're um, obviously not allowed to train as a group right now, but we have individual workouts that we're doing. And other than that, man, trying to read a lot, trying to write a lot um, and just stay as busy as possible, you know, through through this time. Hey, that's all we can do, you know. But uh, for people who don't know you, you know, can you please introduce yourself? Of course, man. Uh, so my name is Mumbi Kusele. Mm-hmm. Uh, born and raised uh, in Seattle, Washington, and um, played youth soccer in the Seattle area for Highline Heat, HPFC, and Pac Northwest. Uh, and then I went to play college soccer at Barry University in Miami, and then Humboldt State University um, in Arcata, California. And then after that, went to Spain, played there for a year, and now I'm back in the States. So. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, so how many siblings do you have? So two older brothers and one older sister. So I'm, I'm the youngest. (laughs) Okay. And, uh, you know, we'd uh, just love to know how your upbringing was like. Yeah. So, um, my upbringing was, was great. Um, I think that, you know, I was really lucky to have so many, um, great influences around me, starting with my parents, obviously. Um, you know, my, my dad, for as long as I can remember, has always had two jobs, you know, so seeing him was something that was, um, was something that was, that was special. It was unique, you know, because I didn't see him that much. None of us did because he was working as much as he, as he was to, to provide. Um, same thing with my mom. Um, although she didn't have two jobs, you know, she was kind of running the house, you know, because my dad was away, uh, but she worked so hard, um, and everything she did as well. And then seeing the way my siblings did things, um, everyone just so, so hardworking, uh, so ambitious. And when you're in that kind of environment, um, you can't help but feed off of that kind of energy, you know, the drive and the passion, you know, I, my, my dad always, um, for him, if you ask him what drives him is, is the family. Um, and so anything and everything that he did on a daily basis was um, in order to, to provide, to create a, a better situation for all of us. You know, um, and so then, you know, when when you're around something like that, you know, you you kind of feel like you have to um, you have to pull your weight, you know, because all he was asking for from us was, you know, do your best, um, try to be the brightest light that you can be in your own way. Um, and so all of our, you know, you know, all of my siblings, you know, I, I could say that we um, in our unique ways kind of forged our own path um, as children and now as adults. And so it's really cool to see um, what we've built for ourselves from uh, the foundation that was set a long time ago from our parents. So, I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a very big point, uh, especially that I've done a, a little bit of research about your family. And I actually realized that your older sister wrote a book before. Yes, she did. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what was the book about? So the book is entitled Z is for Zambia, 
And uh, the goal, the purpose of that project and the purpose of the book was to, to boost um, literacy rates in Zambia and to, to reach out to children, um, the children of Zambia. Um, it, it's a project that for her having the firsthand experience of living in Zambia, um, it was something that, that she absolutely saw a need for. Um, and the fact that there, there are kids there who, who aren't literate. There are, you know, there are communities there that, um, that, that can be improved through education. And so that's where the motivation for her came uh, to, to embark on that project, you know, with the people that she worked with in order to put the book together, you know, the storytelling, the translations, um, you know, very ambitious in, in what they want to do and the mark they want to have on this world. Um, and, and that's my sister, um, basically in short is, you know, everywhere she goes, everything that she does, she's looking to be the best possible version of herself, which has, has definitely inspired me and, and lots of other people as well. Man, my brother, you're definitely blessed. And you are a guy I have so much respect for because you handle yourself with so much character. So now I have a good insight on where you get that from. Absolutely. It comes from the family and I can't. I can't pretend to, to take credit, um, you know, because everything that I've done or ever accomplished, you know, has, has been a result of um, the, the people that I've, that I've been around, the people that I've come up with. Um, you know, I, I've always felt that, you know, I, I, need to, I need to bring a fire. I need to bring a light um, wherever I go as well. And so when you see your siblings doing that, when you see your parents doing that, um, on a, on a daily basis, not just, oh, like they accomplish one thing or like they graduate or they get this job. It's like on a daily basis, impacting people's lives, you know, watching my, my brother, um, my second oldest brother now be a, be a dad, be a father is like, it's incredible because I grew up with this person and now he's, um, he's, <laughs> he's in a position where he's, he's got this little life that he's in charge of. And he's, he's doing such an amazing job of, of, of taking care of this, this small person, this small being. Um, and he, you know, this is, I've never seen him smile so, so wide, you know? And so when you look at things like that, you're like, well, you know, I, I want to have that kind of impact, um, in, in people's lives and wherever I go, um, you know? Okay. Speaking of your brother, Actually, uh, you and him came up with a project called The Rising Point. Could you please uh, explain to us what that is? Because I've actually seen it mm -hmm. and I have spoken to a few people and they say it's a really, really uh, great program. So we'd like to hear more about it. Yeah. So um, in short, to sum it up, The Rising Point, um, first and foremost, was, is, um, it was started to, uh, to basically be a response to, to some of the systemic issues um, that exist right now um, in regards to um, youth soccer. Um, we all know, or at least most people should know, that uh, youth soccer is a, is a very big industry and it's, a, it's, it's an industry that, that is very expensive, obviously. And so for us, the challenge was, well, how can we find the talented kids? How can we find the disenfranchised communities where the game is loved and appreciated, but these kids don't have access um, to, to the resources that will allow them to, to pay five, $6,000 a year um, to play this game um, or to, to receive you know, high quality instruction, you know, um, from, from coaches, you know, in an organized league, in an organized club. 
Um, so that's that was the mission. Um, that is the mission. Is is at, you know first and foremost the outreach um, to underserved communities. It's so important. Um, it's it's something that um, in this country is 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 I think crucial to the future of the sport and of the game. Um, and it, it's something that from a social justice standpoint is it's the it's the global game it's the world's game and and so for us to be in a situation where there are thousands and thousands of kids every year that aren't participating in in higher levels because of the money um and obviously coming from seattle there's so many kids in the south end of seattle um you know in, in the the rainier beach district you know and 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 those areas where if you don't go to those areas you're not going to find those kids because they're not showing up to your you know your big club tryouts you know these big name clubs youth clubs they're not there um and if they are there well the reality is is that you know they they show up to the tryout and they they wow the coaches you know with their skill with their ability these young black kids these young african kids these young latino kids and the reality is is that they make that team and you go into that meeting after uh the, the tryouts are finished and you know, their families are told, well, hey, you got to pay a $300 fee now up front, you know, in most cases, you know, for, for the start of the season. Um, and this is the package for the year. These kids, they can't afford it. Um, and, and I think a lot of clubs will say, okay, we're taking the steps to, you know, create scholarships or, you know, find donors. But at the end of the day, there's still, there's so many kids missing out. And so the rising point, first and foremost, was, was, was created as a response to um, as a response to that issue, um, and it, it's a systemic issue. Okay. But as I said in the beginning, you know, you are a, a professional soccer player, correct? Yes, sir. So, for some kids out there, or for anybody out there who's listening and uh, wants to chase the dream, what's that one turning point that you had that you realized I want to become a professional soccer player? Um. To be honest, there's there's several moments. I can't just highlight one. I mean, I can take you through, um, you know, a couple of these moments. But yes, please, I would love to hear them. Yeah, uh, to answer mm-hmm. your question, it wasn't just one moment, and and the start was obviously, you know, as far back as my memory goes, just first touching a ball, um, and and first watching, you know, games on on TV. You know, I was I was very young when, you know, about three years old when the 1998 World Cup. Um, was happening, but I remember my, you know, my family sitting in the living room together, uh, the small apartment we were in, in West Seattle, and and my brother and my dad going crazy because this, you know, this this bald guy had just scored two headers. So it's like '98 World Cup final. You look back, oh Zidane, I'm like who is this guy? Zidane, Zidane, right? So I, I, you know, I get older. I'm like, man, this guy Zidane, he did incredible things, right? Um, you know, just my my, you know, my first moments in the park. Um, kicking a ball and and going to watch my brother play, going to watch my sister play, um, watching my oldest brother play um, high school soccer. You know, it was just it was something that like I just I fell in love with it. Um, it, it was something that I it became a part of who I was. It's always been a part of you know, my life. You know, I, I don't remember a time where you know I I wasn't either going to watch my siblings play or playing myself. Right. So it, it was it's just something that's it's been so natural. It's like breathing. Right. For me. And so um, as soon as, you know, as soon as I got to a place where I was like, man, like this is this is the thing that I love the most, obviously, aside from my family, um, like th- this is something I want to do for as long as possible. Right. And it's only when you get a little bit older and you understand the ins and outs of things that you say, OK, well, man, 
is it possible to be a professional player? Is it, can I, can I do that? So, um, you know, the, I would say a, a turning point then, um, in terms of my thinking and the way that I kind of went about what I was doing would be when my brother went professional. Um, my second oldest brother, um, he signed for the Portland Timbers back, um, uh, in about, I think it was 07, 08, um, after he finished playing at, at Seattle university. Um, and that was so huge because at that point it was like, okay, like this is something tangible. Like it's, it's possible. Um, and, and to some degree, I know that sounds crazy, uh, because a lot of people will say, oh, like, I didn't know I could make it, or I didn't believe I didn't know it could happen. And there's always uncertainty. There's always, um, there are so many variables that, that go into, you know, someone's growth in the game and, and how far they go. But in terms of it being realistic, I mean, when your brother, you know, achieves something like that, at that point, I was like, well, if he could do it, why not me? Right. That, that's what you ask yourself as a, you know, as a 10 year old, as an 11 year old. And, and, you know, he's, he, when he went and did that, um, and then, you know, obviously rivals with the, the Sounders for, for, for forever. Right. Um, it was really cool to have an inside look at the Timbers when I was that young. Um, I remember like my youth club one summer had a tournament down there. Um, this is after my brother had signed and, uh, we go down to Portland and, and I'm with my dad and, you know, the tournament happens and the plan was after the tournament finishes, I'm going to stay with my brother for eh, like three, four days. Right. And then I'm going to get on the plane home. And you know, I, I I was excited for my tournament, don't get me wrong, but I was so excited for those three, four days with my brother and to be around, you know, the Portland Timbers and to be in the locker room, to be at training, to be in the stadium uh, for games. And um, I, I just remember thinking, wow, like it would be so cool to, to one day be at this level, to one day play in a stadium where there's fans, to, to one day be in a locker room environment like this, you know, and one of the most profound things for me at the at the end of the trip, I think it was my last day, was one of the guys gave me, you know, an extra pair of his shoes. You know, and I wore those, ended up wearing those shoes for another year or two. Um, you know, obviously I was growing at the time, but it's just like, that was so cool for me. That was so awesome. Um, and so those are the moments where, like, you're like, man, like, I want to do that, you know? So it was moments like that where you're, you're so inspired. Um, and you have a very clear picture. It wasn't something I could just dream. It was something that I saw, you know, I was there. And so that, that was why it, for me, it was like, man, no, I, I think I can really do this one day. Said it. So could you please take us into your journey to becoming a professional soccer player? Like uh, I'd say the, you know, struggles and the trials and tribulations you went through to become a professional soccer player. Yeah, so um, obviously, as as you know, I went and played in college um, for four years, and the spring of my junior year at Humble, right? You know, in a few months, it's going to be my final fall season, and then that's it. Um, you're at a place where you're trying to figure it out, but for anybody who doesn't know this, um, it is difficult um, to find a way. In, in, into the professional game. It's not easy. Um, and, and I'll give you the, my backstory, but um, I graduated to give you some, some perspective and whoever listens to this, some perspective. I graduated from Humboldt in 2017. Um, and it took me about three years to get to where I wanted to be. 
after that was after finishing college. It wasn't like, oh, I finished college and I signed a contract. It's like, no, that's not how it worked. Um, so I, I finished at Humboldt, played my senior season, and um, through some through some connections that I had with an old coach, I ended up going to Spain. That was the the best option that I had. I wasn't going to be drafted. You know, I, there were no teams emailing me or, or calling me at that point. So that was a good situation where I was like, okay, I can go over to Spain and play in one of the lower divisions and gain some valuable experience. So that's the, the path I chose to take. Now, even doing that, you know, I, I wasn't guaranteed anything. You know, I, I went in the, uh, the spring of 2018 um, into an environment where, well, they were almost kind of done with their season. So I'm, I'm on a trial and I'm not promised anything. Um, and, and it, it, it was an experience that that was difficult for a lot of reasons. Well, one, you know, I, I wasn't fluent in Spanish. You know, I, I knew very little Spanish. So that's that's an obstacle that I had to overcome. Uh, I'm so far from home. Uh, I'm by myself. Uh, my living conditions weren't ideal. Um, and it was difficult some days. I mean, for, for about three months there, before I came home for a short break, you know, during this like three and a half month period, you know, when I'm on this trial, um, I'm living in, in hostels. Um, and, and for anybody who doesn't know, I mean, a hostel is basically like a, it's like a, it's like a shared living space, um, where people, you know, travelers, you know, in Europe, people who love to travel so that, you know, you kind of just go into a hostel for a day or two days or three days. Um, and then, and then you're out, right. It's not a, it's not a luxurious, um, living space. It's usually, you know, kind of low maintenance and, and, uh, um, very, very tight spaces. And I'm living there though. You know, I got my suitcase and my, my duffel bag and I'm living there. Right. And, um, you know, to not have a place that was necessarily home was, was difficult. And I did that for months. Um, and at that point, this was just so I could, for this trial, like there wasn't even a guarantee I was going to be signed at the end of the trial. Like this was an opportunity for me to be invited into preseason for the next season. Right. Um, so it wasn't even like I was playing for a contract at that moment. Um, and, and so that's what I experienced. And, and I was lucky that, you know, I met some good people where I was and that they were willing to help me. Um, because yeah, host, uh, hostels that usually people don't stay for more than a week. Um, you know, and, and hostels have certain rules, but, um, the hostel I was in, you know, they, um, when they heard from me, you know, when they learned that I was, you know, on trial with uh, a local club, one of one of the historic clubs of the, the the Basque region, the Basque country, they they were so enthusiastic, they were so happy. Um, it was such an honor for them that I was I was staying there. So what they did was they just said, "Don't worry about it. Listen, whatever happens, you know, because as the summer approaches here, you know, we're getting lots of travelers, lots of people are coming in and out of the hostel. There might be some nights where." there's no space, right? Um, and we can only have you here for a certain amount of time. But they said, listen, what we're going to do is regardless of what happens and how many people and how full this hostel is, you will have a bed. You will have a place to stay. And we got you. Um, and, and I appreciated that so much. Um, you know, that, that was, that was, it was a moment where, you know, you're young, you know, I'm, I'm 22, 23 years old and, and you're on your own and you're in the real world. You're trying to figure things out, but man, like, the the kind of uh, the kind of grace that these people had in, in accommodating me was was fantastic. Um, on the soccer side of things, now I mean, I'm going to training every night, knowing that 
Um, I don't have a guaranteed spot. Knowing that every training session needs to be um, needs to be taken with with the utmost seriousness and professionalism because I'm trying to earn a spot in in uh, the next season, uh, the next season's plans. You know, in the preseason. So for me, every single day of training was like, you got to crush it. You know, you you can't show up and and not be prepared. You can't show up and not be feeling it because look at how far I've come. You know, I've flown, you know, halfway around the world to be here, you know, and and, and look at, you know, how I have to struggle, um, you know, in, in the hostel. And some nights I'm I'm sleeping on a little mat on the floor and, um, you know, I, I don't have a proper cabinet or space to put my things. And, um, you know, there, there's 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 some mornings I woke up and the food I had in the fridge was gone. Some pe- people stole my food sometimes. You know, you got to. So at that point, I'm like, look, if I'm going to be here, I got to go all in. You know, I can't go halfway. Otherwise, I might as well go home. You know, I've come this far. I got to put everything into it. Um, and so that spring, uh, at the end of the spring, the the coach and the club let me know that, that they liked what they had seen and that they weren't going to invite me to the um, to the preseason for the next season. And at that moment, that was it was one of the most profound, like vindicating moments where you're like, I did that. You know, um, look at w- what I've had to deal with and struggle with. I, you know, my teammates didn't even know my situation. Um, you know, obviously, when I eventually signed in the next preseason, they didn't know what I had been through in that spring. Um, they had no idea um, what what my living conditions were like. Um, so to 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 make something out of a situation that was honestly at some times so um, so tough, um, a situation that was that that was at times had me really down. You know, sometimes talking to my family was tough because you know you don't want them to worry, but at the same time you you want to you want to tell them how you feel. Um, and sometimes you just had to you, you have to suck it up. I had to hold it in because if 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 I just start spilling all of this stuff, like I, I might break. And I was like, I can't break. I've come too far. Um, and so the next season played um, for Real Union, Club de Irun, um, historic club in the Basque country. And they, um, they've been around for over a hundred years. Um, they were one of the original founding members of La Liga, the La Liga we all know and love. So the original mm-hmm. league happened in like 1930 or something like that. And they were one of the founding, I think, 10 teams with Barcelona, Real Madrid. And so to play for that historical club and have that history, I felt so honored. Um, and so that that was, for me, the, very cool. But, you know, the first two, three months then of that next season that I, you know, I had signed, um, more adversity. You know, the paperwork doesn't clear. And for about two months, I have to sit on the sideline, right? And that whole time, I'm sitting there like, damn, like, I've done all this work to get here. I've suffered enough. I've struggled enough. Like, why is this happening? Right. And, uh, and you don't have an answer at that point. You know, you're, you're, you're caught up in, in why me and, and the emotions of it. Um, and to be honest, there was a point where I'm just like, I don't know if the situation is going to be resolved. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the dark and I don't know what the communication is like between the club and the Federation or the U S soccer Federation. So I, I don't know what's going on. Um, you know, fast forward two months, um, <laughs> or slow forward two months for me. And, um, the director comes to training one day, the director of the club, 
and he says um, in, in broken English, Moonby, your paperwork's ready. You can, we're ready to have you play in this next game. And the feeling of just like, man, like I'm ready. I'm ready to go, right? Um, I've been I've been training two months for this. You know, my team would play games or travel on the weekend. I had to stay home. That that really it was lighting a fire in me. You know, I'd go and run and do extra training sessions on the beach or get extra touches on my own and, and just go on these long runs around the city. Like I was preparing, I was getting ready for that moment, for that first game. And so when that game came and I, you know, I'm in the 18, um, and and you know, I'm I start the game on the bench. I'm just thinking, when I get into this game, I'm gonna make an impact. Um, and it was a tough game, you know, we're playing a local, local rival and, um, nil, nil, um, very back and forth game. Um, and about 60 minutes, you know, I, I come into the game and I'm, I'm just like, you know, it's go time. And, um, about five, 10 minutes after coming on, um, you know, I, I get on the ball and couple, couple passes and, you know, quick interchange here, quick interchange before I know it, you know, I'm. I'm, I'm weaving my way up the field um, and I play this, this through ball and the winger, you know, comes, takes his guy on one V one, you know, cuts in, you know, a shot deflection, you know, shot goal from the forward. He picks up the deflection and the, the, that moment though, of, of, of me changing the game. And, and I brought, you know, some quality, I brought this energy into that moment. Um, and we, we win the game one nil. It was like, man, that, that was, what I had been waiting for, I'd been training for, um, I'd been struggling for, you know, all that time. Um, so that moment was, was incredible. Um, and then the rest of the season, you know, went and progressed and, and, you know, I started every game I was healthy for, you know, I was always, uh, in the gym early before training, always staying afterwards to do a little bit of, you know, running a little bit of fitness, um, despite, you know, my coach always telling me in broken English, Hey, you've done enough, no more. Um, you know, I just, I wanted to, to push, you know, I, I didn't want to be in the, the starting 11 on accident. I didn't want to be in the starting 11 because I was a foreigner. I, I, I wanted to be there because I had the quality. I wanted to be there because in the 60th minute, when, when everybody else was tired or hurting, like I would still be running, I would still be going. Um, and, and so that's something that I, um, I was very proud of. And that's something that I, I look back on and I'm like, man, like I, I did a lot of work. Um, played a couple different positions that season, some right mid, some right wing, um, some central attacking mid, um, right back. Um, my coach thought right back was my best position. I had never played right back before. Um, you know, so learning to adapt and, and learning more about the game tactically. Um, the, the Spanish are, are, are so, so fluent um, in the game tactically. Um, you know, even in those lower divisions, the, the games are they're chess matches, you know. Um, there's periods of the game where where it looks messy, but it's an organized messy. It's so tough for me to articulate anything more than that. But sometimes the game looks looks long, you know, um, and teams are trying to run at each other in behind. And then sometimes the game is tight and technical through the midfield. Um, there's moments, there's phases that are so definitive. And, and I was learning each phase of the game and each way that our team was supposed to function together. Um, and, and and I grew in in that season. So fast forward to the end of the season and, and, you know, it was such an honor in, um, in my last game. Um, and they knew that I'd be returning to the U S it was such an honor for them to name me a captain. Um, you know, for anybody that, that has ever been to the Basque country, the Basque region of Spain, there's such proud people, very proud people. And, um, 
to wear the armband, which, you know, the, the armband in, in the Basque region is, is the flag. You know, you'll see all the teams and all the youth teams and all the professional teams that are wearing the Basque flag. To wear that symbol as an outsider, um, as an American, um, as, a, as a black man, as, a, as an African, um, you know, it, it was such a, such a profound moment for me. It was such a cool moment um, to say, man, this historic club wants me to be captain in this, this last game of mine. Um, and so that was the story. Um, that was the, 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 that was the experience I had in Spain with Real Union. Um, it, it's a place that I would go back to and visit, um, of course, but man, yeah, what a way to go out. Um, that last game was, was crazy. So I, I told you about how the first game came in assist off the bench, you know, so in my now fast forward to the spring, the end of the spring, my last game and, and obviously starting, um, captain at right back. And we win 2-1. I get the assist on the second goal. What a way to, to go out. What a way to finish, right? And um, just such, a, such an amazing, amazing, amazing time. Um, so, yeah, that experience was, was, was unreal for me. Well, I would say uh, talk about being a great example because I personally know you're actually a great midfielder. And you told me you just played right back? Yeah, yeah. So, um, it, so for most of that season, um, to to be real with you, I was playing um, right right wing. Um, our formation changed, so it wasn't. Uh, I, at one point, I was playing right mid, and then we kind of changed it to to you know more operating as the wide players being wingers instead of midfielders, right? So, um, but it's in that moment where you don't complicate things. Um, you you understand the game and how it functions, how it flows. Um, to, to be at that level. And so you just keep it simple on the ball. It was easy. Um, the, the biggest, uh, I'd say difficulty in that situation was, um, just making sure that, that I was in line with the rest of the back line, right. Making sure I wasn't too high, right. To expose space in behind me, making sure I wasn't too deep, um, to, to let players run at me if they receive ball on my side. Um, and then obviously one V one defending you, you know, you got to do that all over the field. So those, those simple things you do well, um, so that's how that game finished and it wasn't bad. So, but the next game we're in training and, and, you know, we're preparing for this next game and we don't have a right back. So coach is like, movie, you're going to start a right back. Right. So I'm like, all right, well, all right, here we go. Right. And so I, I you know, I, since I had a week to prepare for this next game, I'm like, all right, well, I kind of know what to expect a little bit more now. Um, and I know how we want to play when we have the ball. I know where I should be when we don't have the ball. And, um, try to try to listen as best as I can to my teammates to the goalie behind me and, and be in the right spots. Um, and, and there we go. And so for me, you know, when, when I left, you know, at the end of that season, the coach was like, I think right back was your best position. I went on to play in that, in that position three or four more times in that season. Um, you know, so learning that position, um, I mean, it, it was a part of my growth as a player and it was something that I actually really enjoyed um, because I think it made me a better overall player um, in understanding how, um, especially the relationship between the back line and, and the midfield line um, and, and starting to understand better um, what's going on in the outside channel um, and the relationship between the outside back and the winger, right? So I, I was learning so much that I hadn't been exposed to before because I had never at that high of a level played in a different position that wasn't, you know, center mid or attacking mid, you know, even winger was relatively new to me, even though I had played a little bit of it in college, right? So 
Um, the biggest thing was just the attitude and being like, okay, like it's not something that I, I've done a lot of or I'm super comfortable with, but I'm going to try. I'm going to give it my best effort and whatever happens will happen. But um, I'm going to do everything that I can um, to make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm first to that, that ball. I'm, I'm going to win the knockdown. Um, you know, I'm going to bat. I'm going to be physical. Um, one of the things I, I did a lot in Spain was yeah, I, I'm going to press when we got to press. Um, you know, I'm going to win balls in the air. You know, those were, those were the things, the little nuances of the game where I, you know, I had to, to, to double down and, and be, consistently good at those things right and it sometimes you think oh it's the dirty work and it's like well sometimes the game requires that you 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 do that kind of work right so so yeah so i adapted and, and right back became a position that i i was capable of playing and in, in a position that i you know i've come to understand a bit more yeah just to uh add up like i had the same experience last year actually so i'm a midfielder like you and I was, you know, so stuck in, I got to be that guy who controls the pace of the game and assists the ball and all that type of stuff. But what happened is last season, uh, we had a player who was in college. So he comes in the team and the coach is like, you know, hey, he's back. So you're not a bad player, but I believe, you know, we could use your expertise at another position. And at first I wasn't really happy because I was thinking I trained the whole preseason and got myself in shape and I put in all this work and I was frustrated you know, for the first week or so. And I think my coach uh, realized that and he pulled me to the side and he said, you know, just stop overthinking it and give me one reason to keep you. And that actually really, really changed my mind and the perspective about it. He was like, I don't need you to be a hero. Just give me one reason to keep you in the starting lineup. And actually I played the whole season as a right wing back and I had a lot of fun after I changed my mindset. And I was like, this is actually really, really fun. And like right now, I'm so open-minded about it. If, you know, if the virus did not be an issue, we would uh, be playing right now and I would have gladly played right wing back again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I believe it's just keeping a positive mindset, as uh, you said. Absolutely. It's got to be a growth mindset. Um, and, and that's what, you know, a lot of kids, you know, you talk about what would I say to, to a lot of kids um, that might hear this is that... Um, sure, you might be a striker. You might be a left back, you might be um, a, a right midfielder. But the, the simple fact is that if you're serious about progressing in this game, um, and even if you're not, I think this is irrelevant, even if you're not, there's a certain level of humility that in this kind of game, it's a social game where you need to be able to adapt to the situation and to the people around you. Maybe your skill set is, is best used in another position. Um, you know, maybe the, the, the coach has an idea of how the team wants to function the, again. So listen, the team, not you as an individual want the, that so that the team can get a result or that the team can, um, you know, can, can, can play a certain way, you know, and that requires, I think, letting go uh, of, of your ego a little bit, you know, um, and under- my ego was bruised a little bit. Yeah, no, it's about the team, man. It's about the team. So I, I think that's one of the, the, the pieces of, of advice that, you know, I'd give young players is that, okay, if your coach puts you at right back and you're a center mid, learn how to play right back. Something that you need to do um, in another team anyway. You know, you, you talk about, okay, well, I'm going to go to high school and then play high school soccer. You know, a lot of these youth players. Well, what if the team has, you know, five, six seniors that are starting and, and there's two seniors that are forwards and the coach says, listen, I got to have you go play left mid. Well, are you going to quit? You know, you have a choice. 
you know, so I wouldn't just preface it by saying, okay, well, but whatever, are you going to quit? Um, because you're not playing forward or are you going to find a way to be productive at left mid, right? So you can either be, you know, you can either quit and you can pout or you can do whatever, right? You can give less than your best, um, or you can embrace the challenge and, and push forward to be the less, the best. So obviously you have a very, very interesting journey, but when you go through all this, uh, trials and tribulations, so, you know, what do you turn to? Is it prayer? Is it family? What is that one thing that helps you get through this? Because I believe we all, you know, need a little bit of help in getting through stuff. So what what helps you get through those type of situations? Honestly, it's it's nothing it's it's nothing crazy. Like there's no like secret like formula or, or anything like that for me. It's just remembering why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, and, and the fact that I wanted to, to go farther, um, that, that's basically it. Um, I, I wish it could be packaged, um, you know, maybe a little bit more, uh, you know, a little bit more uh, eloquently, but it, it's, it's, really, it's really that simple is that I just think, okay, well, I want to progress. I, I want to, to be in another place. Um, I want to get better. Um, you know, and, and that ambition to, to, to be there was, I mean, that's, that's all I needed to think about, you know, and especially when you see um, over the years, guys that you'd played with or against, you know, going pro and playing at these levels, you're like, man, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not a million light years away from that. You know, I, I think, I think I'm much closer um, you know, and so that's, that's, that's what drove me. That's what drives me. Well, a simplicity is genius. Uh, one day my coach told me that he was like, simplicity is genius. So keeping it simple is a good idea, but if there's some advice you'd offer, uh, not to kids or anybody who's looking to become a professional, just no more basic life advice you'd give to anybody who comes and asks you, Hey, Mumbi, you know, I'd like to get some life advice from you. What would you tell them? Um, put me on the spot there. <laughs> I know. Um, hey, you're, you're a smart guy. I got to pick your brain, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Um, I appreciate that. Um, I would honestly, first and foremost, say um, to enjoy, to enjoy whatever you're doing. Um, I think I think life is about um, these moments and 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 being happy. Um, you know, I'm I'm happy when I'm when I'm spending time with my family. I'm happy when I'm playing the game. I, there's nothing, uh, honestly, that I can think of that I'm doing on a regular basis that I hate. You know, that's like I think we've all been there though when we're doing something like, oh, I don't like what I'm doing and this sucks. And that's a feeling I don't want to have. Um, I don't know about other people, but if you're in that kind of space. Um, you know, find, find anything, anything at all, even if it's a, it's a temporary escape. Like, you know, some people, you know, they might have a hard week or hard day at work, or they have to work a couple jobs. If it's something where it's like, if you, if you love words and writing, then, then write a poem, you know, escape. If you love to paint or draw, draw, paint, draw something, you know, paint something. Or if you, if you love to make music, make music, find some kind of escape, find something that makes you happy. I mean, you know, it's, 
it would be it would be tough for me to say that you know it would be tough for me to say much else to be honest um you know i i don't think that anybody needs to have any kind of degree or or have accomplished anything absurd or to, to just understand the idea of happiness um i think you should just you should be happy so find things that make you happy and um i i think that's what's like that that's what life is about for me so for anybody i would just say be happy um and, and do what makes you happy um regardless of of what other people might think or say and regardless of you know how much money it might make you that's not the point i think it, it's just about being happy Yes, happiness uh, is a big thing. And so I have two final questions for you. Yes, sir. So the first one being, what are you grateful for? And then the second one being, we, uh, we do this with uh, all the guests that come, and we just like to know what uh, things they enjoy doing, apart from either their career or, like, for example, you will be at the beautiful game. So what else do you enjoy doing when you're not playing the game and you're not thinking about the game? And what are you grateful for? I'm definitely grateful for my family. Um, that's that's the thing I'm most grateful for, um, family and and um, and friends, because I think life would be like going off of what I just said. It, it would be hard to enjoy life. It would be hard to be happy um, with, without them. You know, um, all of these moments. You know, you share with them. You know, um, whether you're near or far. You know, because I you know, have to move around and travel a lot, but. You know, you reconnect, you, you know, whether it's on the phone or, um, you know, just a quick text or, you know, uh, you know, when when the time comes that I'm able to go home, you know, you you cherish those moments. So that's that's what I'm grateful for is those connections. You know, I love being able to, to go home and, uh, and and see friends I haven't seen in a while or, you know, just to see my family, you know, to see, um, you know, see my nephew grow. Um, you know, so those are the things that I'm, I'm grateful for. Um, and then in terms of like what I enjoy doing besides soccer, basically. Right. Um, uh-huh. I mean, <sighs> I, I, I keep putting you on the spot, huh? No, 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 you're good. I, I like to, okay. read. I, I like to read and, and, and reflect. I like to write. Um, so that's something that I'm, I'm trying to get into more. I'm trying to find a, a way to, um, uh, or I would say rather not a way, a place to put these things that I'm writing down, whether that's, you know, whether they're essays or blogs or, um, or one day, you know, a, a book or a series of books for kids. Like, I, you know, um, writing is, is something that I'm into. And um, I, I think it, it's storytelling so powerful. Um, and I'm so drawn to it because, you know, I have my own stories to tell and I've enjoyed listening to the stories of others. So now that I have stories to tell and, 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 you know, I have experiences that I can share with people, I, I think that's probably the most, one of the most powerful things, um, that, that, that you can do is share your story or listen to someone else's story. You know, I think that's really profound. Um, so that, that's what I would say. Okay. Uh, since you're a good reader, is there any books you can actually recommend to anybody who's listening right now? Like a few books that you're like, okay, this are really great books and maybe they change your perspective on something? Uh, yeah, in terms of ambition and in terms of, you know, having a, a dream and, and wanting something, striving for something. Um, I would say, you know, The Alchemist, Paulo Coelho, um, The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Um, 
is, is a great book. Um, it you know follows the story of a of a boy Santiago in Spain who's looking for this treasure, right? So that's all I'll say about that. Um, that would be the the main one I I would say um, for for someone who's who's you know looking for inspiration, you know, and the boy goes on this journey. Um, so yeah, I mean I, another book maybe is um, uh, the Four Agreements by uh don miguel ruiz um a, a book that that is about um reflection it's a book about becoming um a more aware um, version of yourself uh, i think a book about becoming um you know free of you know these things that that weigh us down um you know and and so i think it's a, it's a great book very insightful in terms of how you can kind of unlock your mind very insightful in terms of how you can get rid of stress and get rid of emotional poison um, and how you can embrace um, the, the, the situations that you, you come across. Okay. Those are, I'll definitely look uh, them up too, because I haven't read none of them. So I have a lot of time on my hands now. So I will definitely look into those, but for someone who would like maybe to reach out to you and get a, a, some advice, and this is for people probably who are, playing soccer and want to go play professionally, uh, where could they contact you? Like social media platforms, if you feel comfortable sharing them. Yeah. I mean, my, my social media is open. It's not, um, it's not private. So, you know, I, it's, um, it's funny you say that because, um, another reason, you know, writing and, and telling a story I think is so powerful, um, is because, you know, there are instances where, um, a young kid will, will write something to me, um, and the, the times where it really, it, it really hits me is when it's a, it's a kid, you know, for example, when, you know, so there've been some Zambian kids, my mom is Zambian, uh, some Zambian kids who have reached out and said, Hey, you know, I've been following your story or, you know, we see what you're doing and, and we want to do what you're doing. And then you're an inspiration. Like, those are the stories that I said, man, like, you know, the, those, those push me um, to go even farther than 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 I've even thought of, you know, it, it's, it's pushing me to say, okay, well, if they're looking up to me, I can't, I can't mess up, you know, I can't, um, you know, I can't afford to, to stop, you know, um, you know, that there's, there's only so much that, that, you know, sometimes these kids have to, to hold on to, whether, you know, it's, it's hope or, or an example, a positive mentor in their lives. So, you know, the positive, the positive energy that I emit, hopefully that, that gets to them and, and they see me working hard and they see me being, um, you know, humble and kind. They see me, um, trying to be the best version of myself. Um, so yeah, my, my social media is open. Um, I mean, my, my Instagram is just, it's my name, Moonbi Quisele. Um, and, and so yeah, people, they can find me. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm an open book. Um, if someone approaches me in a polite and respectful way, then yeah, I'll respond and I'll have dialogue with anyone, man. I don't think I'm, <laughs> I'm too big to talk to anybody, you know, we're all human at the end of the day. So, um, if someone wants to have a conversation, I would, I would absolutely have a conversation. Hey, so I just have a funny story I would like to share. I just, uh, remember this when you say you're not, you know, you are an open person. Mm. The first time I remember, uh, I met you, we were playing actually, uh, pickup soccer. Yeah. And I was not taking serious at all. And you went in on me. <laughs> I will never forget that day. You're like, hey, bro, 
we're here serious. We want to play seriously. If you're not serious, just go home. I was like, who's this guy? You know, because in the back of my head, I'm always like, okay, it's pickup. So it's not really a big deal. But actually, you uh, you gave me a better perspective. You're like, hey, you know, people are supposed to be at work or people are supposed to be doing other productive stuff. So if people took their time to come here, we should all take this serious. And that actually changed uh, how I look at things a lot nowadays. Like even me, when I go to practice, I would like, you know, sometimes get on people because people will be there all kicking and laughing and joking. And there's nothing wrong with that. But then at the same point, we got to remember why we're here. hundred percent, man. And and yeah, I mean, I, that's a funny, that's funny you said that because I actually do remember it. Um, yeah. And, you know, for me, I'll tell anybody this. Um, I, I think laughter and, and enjoyment um, is, is important in any, in any situation. Um, and building, you know, camaraderie with the people around you. Um, but I'm also like, man, if we're going to be here, let's work. You know what I'm saying? Like, if we're going to, like, laugh and mess around, like, great. But let's do it doing, you know, what we're doing with the utmost quality, you know, um, with the utmost intensity. Um, and because when you go into that game, you're going to need you're going to need that, right? So if you train differently, how are you supposed to be ready um, for the intensity of the game, the serious of the seriousness of the game if you didn't prepare for it, right? It, it's kind of like, it's like going into a test and literally not studying, not knowing what's on the test, right? Um, you know, just imagine, it, like, you're at the mercy of... of <sighs> You're at, you're at the mercy of of the uh, of, of that test of that game of the opponent right of the teacher right you don't like you're not in control right um you and to, to put it better you haven't controlled what you can control so when you then go into that game or you go into that that test i mean it's not gonna happen um and, and listen i mean you can prepare and you can do everything you're supposed to do and still not win or still not pass or still not, you know, accomplish what you want to accomplish. So that just goes to show that, you know, it's not all in your control. And the point is, is that if you don't prepare though, and you're not ready, you won't even have a chance at a chance, if that makes sense. Um, you know, you have a chance you know, if you're there and, you know, you've prepared, but it, you're not guaranteed anything, you know, you just give yourself a better chance if you're prepared is the point. So if you go into that situation and you're not prepared, I mean, it's not going to happen. You know, there's no amount of luck that's going to carry you through. In most cases, just be honest, there's no amount of luck that's going to take you through and, and see you experience um, and, and have the kind of success that you want. If you're not, if you're not prepared for it, you know, that's where people kind of, you know, we talk about skill and, and talent and like, yeah, those things are great. But if you haven't worked hard and you're not doing the things that it takes, um, you know, to, to be at that level every single day um, and to push that level every single day, it doesn't really matter oftentimes how skilled or talented you are. Um, and there's so many examples in, in sports and in, in, in business and there's so many examples um, of, of that point exactly. Um, so if you're not willing to, to do the work, um, it, it's very hard um, to, to, to do anything, uh, I, I think, you know, especially when things are as competitive as they are.
You know, you, you want to give yourself the best possible opportunity um, to, to succeed. Yeah, just uh, to add up on that a little bit more, um, you know, uh, with me, how I look at things, uh, there's a kid in my community who uh, reached out to me uh, three weeks ago and he was asking me, hey, what do you think it takes to play, you know, college and semi-pro level? And I was like, from my perspective or how I look at things, I just go by one code. And that's average skill, phenomenal will. I'm just, it doesn't matter like, okay, the technical side of the game is important, but also I've seen a lot of people who are technically sound, but they can't make it because for example, with you, with your story that we heard, I think you're more of a guy with a lot of phenomenal will, because if you think about the injections, slipping in hostels, I know a lot of people who have probably maybe better talent than you, but they couldn't have gone to what you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not gonna pretend like what you said is is um is wrong. You know, I, I'm not gonna sit here and say I'm the most talented guy or that I'm more talented than. There are a lot of guys that I've played with and against um, youth levels and 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 club levels. You know, various levels and um, you know college that were better than me, hundred percent. But it takes a certain kind of mentality um, to to persist. You know, because it, these situations will hit you hard. Um, you know, and it, 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 it's not a joke. Um, there, there's situations where you literally feel like, man, like I, I don't know if I can get through this, and it, it might break me as a person. You sometimes you reach that point, um, and 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 sometimes I, I think people are afraid to even test the waters. You know, there's so many players, like I said again, who. I grew up with who were just as good, if not better than me. And, and they're not, you know, they, they didn't continue um, because it's hard. It's very difficult mentally. So that, 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 that's the key right there. It's not, you know, any kind of skill or ability you have. It's, you know, are you willing to, to, to come back after a bad day? Are you willing to try to come back after an injury? Are you willing to come back and, and try again after being cut? you know, from, from a team. Um, those are, those are the, the, the crucial moments. I think it's easy for anybody to, to play on a sunny day when the opponent's not that good and when everything's going right, but what are you going to do when it's raining? You know, when it's pouring rain, <laughs> you know, when the field isn't, isn't in the most ideal condition, you know, it's muddy and, and the opponent's rough and they're kicking you. Like that's what life can do sometimes. You know, I didn't want to sleep in a hostel, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I'm pretty sure you did not. No, man, I didn't. I didn't want to spend three months there. I mean, goodness, I mean, it's it's not ideal. I'm waking up in the morning, like I told you, sometimes and my food is gone. You know, I don't have money to go buy new food. So some days I'm not, I'm not, I'm not eating well or at all. You know, so, um, yeah. What do and, you do when things get hard? Yeah. Yes, and 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 just to add to your Spain thing, I mean, I would imagine the culture shock because personally, I'm originally from Tanzania, and the culture shock when I got here was massive for me. So I'd imagine at least I can speak English when I got here. I'd imagine you in Spain and you didn't, you don't even speak Spanish. Yeah, man, I you gotta. It's a struggle. I'm laughing at some of the, the situations now. I mean, much. So before you go, could you please, you know, say goodbye to the listeners in Spanish? I would love to hear it. Since you learned Spanish, <laughs> say goodbye, listeners. Um, yeah, so like, yeah, yeah. like go, hey, go, like, hey, thank you for listening. You know, yeah, blah 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, of course, no problem. Um, muchas gracias por todo, y 
espero que esta conversación fue um, una, una buena experiencia para ti, um, escuchando um, las cosas en mi vida. Y, y sí. Hey. Thank you everyone for listening and uh, that's all for today. I hope you enjoyed uh, this episode of Fisherman's Mindset Podcast and please don't forget to subscribe, you know, follow us on all media, uh, social media platforms, uh, Instagram at Fisherman's Mindset and Facebook, Fisherman's Mindset. Stay tuned for the next one. Everybody stay safe. Peace.